Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hello, welcome to Making Data Simple. Guys, I am just getting over COVID. I recorded the last podcast while having COVID. I still have COVID. Uh, I don't know how you get rid of it, actually. <laughs> I'm going to, so I'm going to cough and hopefully I won't cough into the microphone, but I'm going to do my best. COVID fatigue is a real thing, guys. <laughs> I have to tell you, but I'm getting over it. Hopefully none of you take on COVID and it's, and it's done, but I think it's sweeping across the U.S. right now, to be honest, because everybody I know has it and they may have it more than once. It's kind of crazy. Today, I have a terrific guest. We're going to change gears a bit into going from technology, deep technology to coaching. And I am talking with Chris Kluver. Chris is a dedicated speaker, facilitator, advisor, seasoned entrepreneur, and best-selling offer of the aspiring solopreneur. I don't know what a solopreneur is. I could probably guess. We'll probably talk to Chris about that here in a bit. But he's helped thousands of individuals, couples. He, he, he's like the couple retreat movie that we've seen in the past. You know, that, that, that's Chris. No, I don't know. We'll figure that out too. And he helps organizations find balance and achieve more than they ever thought possible using simple tools, facilitation, unique stories. Uh, so he's got to have some good stories for us today. Uh, I, hope, I hope, shake your head, say, yes, we're having some good stories. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> all right, good. He started the, his first of 14 companies at age 19. All have been successful except for two, I think. I, I want to hear about the two. But and he's, those includes four exits. So we'll talk about that. But welcome to Chris Kluver, the coaches with the mostest. He's a founder of Live on Your Terms. Chris, thank you for being here, man. How you doing? I am great. Thank you. And uh, it's, it's really, it's humbling to be here. So thank you so much. Do you do podcasts a lot? I do. I do a fair amount of podcasts. I, I live in the high country of Colorado. So I'm, I'm kind of a, I want to be a, a public speaker who's a hermit. That makes sense. <laughs> Just like our producer lives in Colorado. You guys should, you should talk <laughs> about the mountains a little bit. So uh, tell us a little bit about your history, you know, where you've been and what brings you to the spot you find yourself in today. You know, I, I, I wake up every day and I like to tell people I feel like I'm the luckiest cat on the planet. And, uh, and, I, and I don't say that from a perspective of being flippant or, or even trite with it. I, th I think we all are. And I think we live in some of the most exciting, abundant times ever. Even though you watch the idiot box, it's all nothing but doom and gloom. But, but for me, like you said, I started early in my life. I'm in my mid-50s now. And I have built, bought, sold, wrecked businesses. I have helped, advised okay. on thousands of them. So, so to me, entrepreneurship and helping people live life on their terms that's my purpose, man. That's why I'm on this planet is to, is to try and help people look at things a little bit differently and hopefully get a little more energized and jazzed up and excited about what's possible. Have you ever worked for anybody else? I have a few times and I didn't get fired, which is amazing. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I have a few times, but uh, it was good learning experiences on what I didn't want. So what kind of coach are you? I mean, what, what you, you could describe yourself as a coach. Now, look, I'm, uh, I think I might be a coach's worst nightmare <laughs> in that I love to have fun. I love to challenge status quo. 
I have a coach. She's fantastic, uh, by the way. But what kind of coach are you? Are you certified? I mean, do you? I'll just stop there. What kind of coach are you? So I am. I have basically two hats that I wear. In one capacity, I'm a strategic advisor and facilitator. And in that in that capacity, I've helped multiple multiple companies, traditionally been small and mid sized entrepreneurial companies, go and 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 grow. the 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 skills it takes to get from one level to another are different than it takes to get to that next level. So I've helped companies. Uh, I've got two companies I've worked with that actually have billion dollar market caps now. We started on entrepreneurial and they've grown to that level. I've got, I don't know how many we've been able to 10X their revenue. I've got multiple multiples that have been able to have um, 8X, or excuse me, at eight figure exits. But what was interesting is with all of the work that I've done with those senior leaders, consistently, I keep finding people where they have this illusion that if they, if they make more money and they get that brass ring, they win. But the reality is, is that I can't tell you, dude, how many people I've worked with who are making huge bank. They're doing really, really, really well. And they still aren't satisfied. And they're embarrassed to admit it. So that's the second hat I wear is helping people with what's called life on their terms is to how to redefine success. Is there anyone that you work with in the scenario you described, probably like an A-type personality that's satisfied? Yeah, I, I, a lot of times when we first start working, no. But but yeah, actually there, there's a lot of people that we get to that point and it is the most fulfilling thing on the planet. But the reality is, is that it's, it's, a, it's an exercise in helping people to look at things completely different and redefine what success is on their terms, not the scarcity mindset of maybe their parents or their peers or the wine commercials. But it's, it's when they set, when, when somebody truly embraces who they are and they embrace it, living it on their terms, man, they are off to the races. You've done like then self-assured storage, you've uh, in entrepreneurial advisors, and now you're life on your terms. So you've done a lot of different things. And maybe you said this to begin the podcast, but what's your brand? If you're describe yourself, Chris Kluver, what's your brand? For me, I would have to say that the, the brand itself, I'm finally getting to truly embrace who I am and what I'm intending to. About a year and a half ago, I was able to transition my thinking on ROI from a return on investment mm -hmm. to a return on impact. And, and what I mean by that is I really, really, I am, it sounds snotty, but I'm hell on wheels when it comes to helping businesses and building strategies and making people, helping people make money. I, and leadership training, man, I got that dialed. I can help people and I love doing it. But when I can help people change the way that they're looking at their relationships or help them to think differently, it, it, the process of building a one-to-many opportunity that, that becomes extraordinary. So we, I, I'm really, really leaning into the life on your terms piece more and more. I still have the companies I work with and occasionally I'll pick up a new client if it's a great fit for the advisory work. But for the most part, um, I want my brand to become living life on your terms, how to look at things different. I want, I want everybody to feel like they're the luckiest cat on the planet every day they wake up. Is this... Um... 
are you a solopreneur? I mean, is this a, a business of one and you're really running the company or do you have a, an army behind you? I, I'm very fortunate with the team that I have behind me. Um, and, and that's part of the whole, the idea of the solopreneur, the gig worker, uh-huh. is that dude, it has never, ever been easier to start a business and safer. And it is so easy to build a whole, ne- a whole group of, of strategic advisors at no cost from your, you know, your accountant to an attorney. There's ways to build your team. But when we can work, I literally have people on three different continents that I, and some of them, we pay them full time. I've got six different people that are wanting to come in as coaches for the life on your terms programs in different areas because I'm, I'm an old guy entrepreneur. So that means I talk great to old guy entrepreneurs, but I'm not going to do a great job with younger faith-based newlyweds. I can do it, but that's not my jam. So, mm-hmm. so being able to help that out in those other areas, I, I think the structure and the concept of what a business looks like is going to get completely upended. I've got, I've got two of the larger companies I work with. They have no physical location, and yet they have hundreds of employees on six continents. It's amazing. And they're able to fulfill a need seamlessly. I mean, look at the tools you guys offer and, and what IBM has. It is extraordinary. You know, and we're, we're having this connected right now, but we could, you could be in Antarctica and I could be, you know, in the Dolomites in Italy. It's just, I think everything is changing. So look, um, here's where I'm struggling though. I mean, you've got area expertise everywhere, which is good, but I guess... I would struggle in terms of where, where do I initiate Chris? I mean, look, I'm looking at like your industries of expertise. It's like board management, professional services, healthcare, dental. By the way, we had the guy that invented uh, 1-800-DENTIST on the podcast a lot long ago, which is a fabulous story. He's wrote, written a book about being bold, but you got publishing, you got advertising, insurance, engineering. And then just to really keep things interesting, you also do couples retreats. So I'm trying to figure out, man, I don't know where to engage this guy. So, all right. So I, thank you for the candid feedback that I need to clarify uh, my brand <laughs> a little bit on LinkedIn, which is, which is perfect. But so where I, I seemed, I, maybe a different way of looking at that is that I'm very, very good at helping people look past the minutia to build systems I am not an expert in dental. I am not an expert in crypto. I'm an expert in four or five things, but in those areas that I'm not, I am an expert in helping build business. And and that is the real, and and business is pretty common in most cases. Building structures, building, building teams. That's an area that I can really excel. And to be very candid, the life on your terms tools, a lot of those came out of the strategic work that I've done with leaders, it's, it's, it basically encompasses how do we define where, where you're at and then help people build strategic planning for their lives. So I, I believe that every organization, individual, leadership team, couple is at one of four phases. And I call those um, stabilize, visualize, strategize, or execute. And if we know which phase somebody's at, then how do we meet them where they're at and help challenge them to think differently? Let me restate it again. Everyone is in one of four stages of life. 
stabilize, visualize, strategize, or execute. And obviously, you're very purposeful in saying that every one versus every company. Uh, so you're talking about the individual within the company. Is that how your coaching really is is orientated towards the individual to run the business or the business itself? So the coaching, if I'm working single one-on-one with leadership team, is is to be very candid and fearless with my facilitation. But to me, for an organization to grow, it needs to have a senior leadership team that is just amazing. And to be amazing, they have to have a unified, crystal clear vision, no questions asked, where are we going? Once we have the vision, then they can begin to break it down and define how is each individual, what are they accountable for? How are we gonna track it? How do we know what success is? And how do we create the structure around that? So, this, but, but the point is, is I can teach all of that, but if I come in and start working with them or working with a couple or an individual and they don't have time to scratch their nose, we can come up with visualizations and strategies all day long, but it doesn't mean a darn thing. So that's where starting initially to stabilize. In some cases, how do we find the the arbitrage, those small bits of time, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. So traditionally, it's with the the leadership team. If it's one-on-one, it's with the senior leader. How do we manage that? Because only three things on the planet we can leverage are time, our talent, and our treasure. And our treasure is the most fictitious, but it's the one that everybody measures because it's the easiest to measure. But we can borrow it, steal it, beg it, throw it away. Our talent... That's one of the best tools we can do because as long as we're investing our time and energy, as long as we don't lose our marbles, we can keep sharpening the tool and increase our talent. That's why I try and invest 20% of my resources in in sharpening the tools. But it's our time that's without a doubt our most treasured and our most valuable asset for the simple reason that it disappears every second. It diminishes every second, no matter how much we, we, we work on it. Say more on the 20% sharpening the tools. What does that actually mean? So it means that for me, I'm a hawk on price. I like working with fewer people, but I like changing their world. I want to I blow somebody's mind every time I work with them. But for me to do that, I need to invest the time. That's why I live outside in the high country. A, a two-hour bike ride where I'm listening to a book that helps me become better. Maybe it helps me answer a question in a different way. Maybe it helps me connect two different dots in a different way or maybe I can make an introduction. But as long as I can continue to increase my, my bandwidth, when I, I currently I'm still in the mostly trading time for money. It's not the best thing. I'm not leveraging it out on a scalable basis. I'm building that. But as you, as you scale it out, well, then it's a different way. But if you're leveraging time for money, then you have to be sharpening that saw all the time. Just in the technology space, the more certifications you have, the better you are at something the more unique you are, the more that you can be a hawk on, on what you're charging. So it's a continuous learning point of view. Yes. Yes. For me, hands down, one of my core values is always curious, always learning. I, I think I can learn something fabulous from a two-year-old trying to tie her shoes to a 98-year-old who's been around the block a hundred times. And the good news is you get a lot of exercise at the same time, right? Nah, well, I need to the way I eat, so. (laughs) (laughs) But so you start with stabilize. To me, that implies that most of the people that you approach 
are a mess to begin with. You got to stabilize first. I think what are I mean, the primary have, There's a lot of words you could have used. Use stabilize. I do. I think that most people today are living in a reactionary state rather than a proactive state. And to transition from a reactive state to a proactive state, first we have to be able to stop and breathe and think about where we are. And that is stabilize. And there, there's a tool that, that I use, I call it a balance wheel, but it's, it's a way of, of looking at success in a different way. It's not just one aspect. Traditionally, most of us would look at success from financial accolades, titles, you know, resources, stuff. And, and, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think, and I, and I think actually the younger generations, I get to say that since I'm an old guy now, but the millennials and the Gen Zs are looking at things in the right ways, looking more at relationships, health, you know, spiritual, uh, physical, their mental and, and if you can look at that, but if that's all you focus on, then you're probably destined to end up living in your parents' basement. So, so finding <laughs> out that, that balance between all of it is the key part. Yeah, it's like the, the magic, <laughs> the magic to you that we're trying to figure out, all of us. All right, so I got it. Um, stabilize, visualize, strategize, and execute. In what um, maturity curve, I don't know if this is the, this is the best I'm going to ask this question, you know, what is the maturity curve of the companies that you're best suited to help or individuals? I mean, give me a couple of examples. If they're in this situation, man, I'm, this is sweet, my sweet spot. If they're in this situation, eh, maybe not so much. They probably could get help elsewhere. But give us some examples of people and or companies that are in a great position to take your leadership and then excel from it. So, so as, as companies evolve... I, I can help companies if they're fairly well healed, they've got the resources out of the gate doing startup. But that's fairly uncommon. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. For individuals and organizations, when they're at a spot that they have, that, that they've got decent resources, but they're starting to, to spin faster. Meaning some, some people get to a point where they think, well, the only way I'm going to grow is I'm going to work 90 hours a week. And they become the choke point. So when they start becoming the choke point, that's, that is my prime, that is my sweet spot because there's a pain point where they realize that they need help, but they don't know what that help is. So that's where it is for individuals, or excuse me, for, for organizations. For individuals, hands down, it comes down to, I, I was at a, I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago down in Dallas and mm -hmm. two gentlemen come up to me. Both of them are in the eight figure range income a year. And they, they, they cornered me cocktail or two on them. And they're like, you know what? I have everything I'm supposed to have. I'm, I'm making money hand over fist. I'm in charge and I am absolutely miserable. I don't know what I want. I don't know what's next. I like my wife, but I don't know who the hell she is. The kids are out of the house. We've got a lot more time together and it scares the pants off of people. So that's my other, I, I get those guys and oh my goodness, I can change their world. And that's fun because those guys have resources and drive to do amazing things. And I presume that is what leads to the, the couple counseling retreat advice or whatever that you, you reference that you also provide because it lends, lends itself to, I don't know, issues at home. So how, how do you, 
let's talk about that. Let's dive into it now. How do you redefine somebody's perspective on success? Because you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I can speak from experience. You know, you think, hey, I'm going to get this job. You're going to get a director role. Now, it does it for like maybe two days, (laughs) maybe. And then you get the next role. Now, you know, it's, it's not the role unless it's the, you know, as you mentioned, the impact. And what I often say, you know, my kind of theory on this is, is what I call AMP, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Everybody wants to be empowered to do something, have a mastery and a very strong skill set someplace and purpose. They want to have meaning every day. If you don't have one of those three, I find that you're going you're gonna to fall down. So how do you redefine success? Man, I, I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree more. I, I think so. So that's where for most people, again, we've abdicated the narrative around what success is. And getting people to even think about it scares them. It's hard. So a little story uh, where a lot of this came from is about seven years ago, I had some major surgery, found myself stuck on the couch, couldn't move anymore. Mm. And I was uh, uh, in the depths of an Oxycontin binge watching daytime TV, which I don't do. And I discovered what a Cardassian was. I don't mean to laugh, but I just, the way you say it. (laughs) But so I'm sitting there and I discover what a Kardashian was and that scared the pants off me because here's a group of people that have lots of money, power, success. They have, they have everything that I was aspiring to. And yet it seemed like all they were really doing was complaining. They weren't happy. And it, it, it made me feel dirty. I really didn't understand that. So I, I, I didn't like that feeling. I switched over to a different channel and there's these trappers in Alaska. Silly, but, but they're living on nothing. They make $5,000 a year, live in the harshest conditions in the world, and they can't get through an episode without saying how grateful they were and how fortunate they were. So it was at that point that I really started to reconsider how we define success because it's different. I'm still curious as to how you how you so, work with somebody and get them to pivot in terms so that's of where, Oh, I'm sorry. So, so that's where we start with uh, the tool finding balance again. And, and I tell you what, if you want any of your listeners can go to the site, it's free. The site is life on hyphen your terms and go to the balance wheel. It's, it's sort of towards the bottom of the first page. It takes about seven minutes and we'll give you immediate results of what it is. And, but it, the, the point is, is, is first we start with awareness and that's where they review and there's, there's, it's 60 questions in four different areas. There's the professional relationship, health and resources and have them just start taking an awareness of where they are. That's the first step is to create that awareness. Then the next step, very physically, specifically, is I would have them go through and write out what are, what, what would amazing look like? three to five bullet points in each of those areas. So maybe start with your partner. What would an amazing relate, you know, in, in a year from now, we're, uh, we're having a date night once a week. We actually enjoy going for walks and holding hands and teasing each other. And I remembered my, I remembered her birthday, you know, something doesn't, it just could be simple, but what are those, those basics and start building that out. But once we start to visualize that, that's the first step in starting to dream. And I think so many of us have forgot how to dream. And once we can start to re-engage and learn how to do that, that's, that helps. Then 
then we, we, there's ways that you can bring it in and compare it with your partner. Where's your partner? What are the results your partner had for her or his balance wheel? And compare. But it starts to facilitate a conversation. Where are you at? What do you see what amazing look like? And now we're starting to build on where that future goes. But don't you find that there's a lot of folks you're working with that define success based on the activity that they're doing versus, and you mentioned this to start the podcast, versus the impact or outcomes? Meaning if they're not busy 24-7 and they've got work to do or this to do, which is causing the relationship issues that they have to begin with, but they can't get their way out of the rut, don't you find your, yourself with a, dealing with a lot of people in that scenario and they feel like they got to be working all the time, they got to be investing all the time, you know, every amount awake, if they don't invest in that work, then they're, they're giving something up uh, in terms of, you know, the financial, the treasures, as you mentioned. And, you know, while it seems simple, you got to stop. That's less important than the relationship you have. It's easier said than done. A lot of people can't get out of the rut. I got to believe you face that all the time. I, I do. And that's what I mean by stabilize is how do we start getting it to where they can start to invest, even if it's two hours, an hour a week on this. But I think that there's some very simple, some very simple and very specific action items that people can do. And with those, because again, we're in such a reactionary state, a couple of very, very simple things that I'll start with, and this is going to sound incredibly basic, but I challenge anybody I'm working with to get any electronics out of their bedroom. Now that sounds silly, but the amount of time that is, um, Missed, I'll let go. I was not going to use a special word there. Uh, watching people, letting them watch TikTok or Facebook or reading news or reading hateful stuff on their phone right before they go to sleep. That one act, if people could go to bed 30 minutes earlier, leave that out there, turn the phone, turn the dial tone up, but th that, that helps them start getting rest. The more rested we are, then it's easier to be present. The more present we are, the more effective we are. I think the greatest gift, so, so an action item. One, if you can get all the electronics out of your bedroom and be very intentional with that, I promise that one thing, as silly as it is, can start having an impact. Other things from a mindset standpoint, think about as you go to sleep, something positive, some sort of grateful gratitude something. In the morning, something grateful, gratitude. If you can go for a 15-minute walk, leave your phone away, it's going to set the intention and clarity for the day. But the way we set the intention and clarity, the more we can do that. So the, the other thing was, was coming up with some sort of being present with what we're doing. And, and what I mean by that is whatever you do, be as absolutely present and engaged as you possibly can. If you're sitting there talking with your spouse, look into her soul and try and be as curious as you can. If you do that for 10 minutes, that is much more effective than being there for 20 minutes exercising your thumb going, uh-huh. You know, it's, and it's the same kind of thing with the, the type of work we're doing. We can get more out of work. We can get so much more done if we put that intentionality, but, but Al, what do you think? Am I, am I way off on that? Or where's your head go? No, I don't think, look, one of the things that I did um, that I'm pretty proud of kind of related is that I never allowed my kids to have TVs in their room. I just didn't want them to have TVs in their room. And now the phone presented a challenge 
but I had ways to turn off the phone after certain times as well, which I did, by the way. Um, I know some people probably think that's going too far, but look, for me, I, I wanted to see them. So if they wanted to watch TV, they'd come down and as a family, we'd, we'd talk, watch TV, etc. cetera. Um, and you know what? I don't think they ever really missed it. They've never said anything about it, but you know, all their friends, all the only thing he said is they'd say, my friend has a TV in the room. Well, we don't have TVs in the room. Sorry. You're not getting one. You know, so I, I do think that matters. I, I think that, uh, look, and it's something I work on regularly is to be present um, because I'm always off to the next thing. And it's something I think everybody needs to work on. But don't, for me, I feel like at the end of the get day, it's, it's all about intention and hard work meeting opportunity. I mean, you got to show up with whatever you want to do with intention to be successful. And I I would agree with you. I think, although I have to say one of the biggest challenges I have working with really, really smart, successful people is just because they can do something doesn't mean they should do it. And, and getting them to, to realize that there are so many opportunities that are always coming. And, and the problem is smart people can figure out how to manipulate it and put it all together and make it work. Versus if there is a way that we can put it together, what are those, uh, and Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's friend, how, how can you make it a no-brainer? How is it like, oh my goodness, I would be an idiot if I don't do that. That's, that ends up being my, my silly little hillbilly rubric is, oh, I can make this work. But it's like, would I be an idiot if I don't? It's like, no, no. You know, if yeah, Charlie it, it, talks about, it's, it's jumping over five-inch bars. Yeah. If, it, if it's, if I can get it, it's a five inch bar, I'll invest in it. If it's not, it goes into the too hard bucket and I never, I never look back at it again. It's going to be that simple. I think he says it very simple though. I'm, I'm guilty. I, I, uh, I, I like the challenge kind of, if I see something, I think, I think I can do that. You're right. I don't ask enough whether I should do it, probably wasting my time. And there's a higher priority that I should be focused on. No question. What do you think, Kate? Come on, jump in here. I know you've got a thought. I have lots of thoughts, <laughs> as is often the case. What, what I've heard so far is really an opportunity to revisit the attributes of success as it relates to an individual, right? So that shift and taking our maybe inherited definitions of success and looking at that through a new lens based on what works for us today. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I'm reading Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Have you read that? I haven't. Oh, fantastic book. Listeners, it's a fantastic book. It's on the science of success and how what we were taught is both correct and totally incorrect about the science of success. It's wonderful. I love it. But I think what I'm most impressed with so far is this conversation around opening the aperture or creating the opportunity to reframe um, what success means for people. That said, how, what it, how are people cued to make this evaluation? Are they in a lot of pain? Is it that they see something that they want and this offers an alternative way to get there? How do people come to realize that this coaching and living their best life is going to be most m- meaningful for them? Does that make sense what I'm asking? 
It, it does. It does. I, I think I have it. And if I don't, please correct me. Um, but in, in most cases, it seems like people are most receptive to this at times of transitions. If, if we're comfortable kind of with the day-to-day status quo, mm-hmm. then they, they're, they're not likely willing to go into the areas to be uncomfortable to try and figure out what that next chapter could look like. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in those transitional points that I've seen big success, whether it be younger people in college. In some cases, it's been um, a lot of times I've seen it in Empty Nest. If yes. somebody stole the business. Now, a couple of places we've been doing it, interestingly, because I think the, the whole great resignation is impacting things in a big way. But I've started doing this with entire leadership teams I believe because it, it helps yeah. diversify the thinking around the leadership team. It builds more cohesion and mm-hmm. trust, and it, it actually makes the whole team a lot stickier because we're helping each other achieve our dreams, not just our financial goals. And when you start integrating spouse spouses into that, people start seeing that it, it changes the dynamic in an interesting way. That makes a lot of sense. And so I'd like a story because humans are wired for stories. What has been a top transformation that you've seen. I don't want to use the word success story because that has a lot of, you know, judgment with it, but what's one of the top transformations that you've seen working with you and following through the practice where you're like, man, I feel so great because this person realized this magnificent change that has just made them a way happier human being that they can go then spread the happiness. So the one that just jumped in my mind, I'll go with. Um, okay. It has nothing to do with eight figures or a Maserati or anything fancy. I was working with a gentleman who was working way, 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 way too much. And his wife and him had twins. Oh. And the twins yeah. were staying in the bedroom with her and he was sleeping in the basement. And they'd been that way for almost two years. And, and he would look at... YouTube and read stuff and everything at night. So we went through this process and we went through the whole thing with it. And as we did that together, he came up to me. um, I forget. It was a couple months after we'd, we'd worked together and he just, he pulled me aside and he said, look, dude, I want to let you know that, that we started having, uh, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, we're in the same bed. We're doing weekly date breakfast. And it's like, we, we didn't have time for date nights, but we, we bring somebody in for Sunday mornings to watch the kids and we hang out and sing songs and make food for the whole week on Sunday mornings. And it's the greatest thing ever. And when he's driving the, the kids to work or when he's driving the kids to school in the morning, they take the time to go through and review what is everybody grateful for. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and on top of it all, he decided that he wanted to get fit again. And he was training for uh, a marathon, but he had more time doing the right things. And the thing is, is that his organization is making more money than he ever dreamed it would now. But it was able to, for him to, to take a step back and look on at a holistic level and say, where am I not being where I wanna be? Where am I not being true to who I really am? And how, how can I proactively start to approach and help with that? Pretty that cool. is fantastic. I have, another, I have another one for you that I No, just, you're done. 
No, I'm just kidding. Listen <laughs> to, oh, please, as though that would fly. Um, on the, have, do you listen to Dr. Huberman? Have you heard his podcast? You are stumping me. Either one of you. Have you heard it out? No, I have not. Oh, oh, hubermanlab.com. Can't be better than this podcast. Come on, Kate. Uh, right. He had a great podcast that was referred to me by my coach that I work with today, who's become a personal friend. And she, her, her brand is gratitude, right? She's all about gratitude and the science that he went into discussing the power of gratitude on your physical being, on your mental well-being, and how data is showing that the more you can become grateful, the better it is for your body and mind. So I love the lens on attentiveness, on taking the time to be grateful. And I just thought I would throw that out there because it was a really powerful science-based um, episode on gratitude that was about an hour and a half. Now it was way beyond my brain, took me probably two and a half hours to get through. My husband and I listened to it. It was very dense. There was a lot to learn, but it was, it was really powerful on the science of gratitude and the magnitude of impact that a gratitude practice can have on a person. It was really powerful. So I offer, I offer that. I think it would be up your alley as well, but I, I do. Have, yeah. So, but I do have one last question that I am just, you can tell I'm shoehorning in here. What can you talk to me a little bit more about the process that you go through? What is expected when somebody works with you on a coaching basis? What does that look like? So if, if somebody comes in for the life on your terms program and they're looking at it from a, from a couple's perspective, they, the, some of the key things is they have to be curious. They have to be open. But, but if we can come in with a spirit of curiosity and go, man, I don't understand that. Help me understand that. I'm curious. That helps. So they have to have a spirit of curiosity. They have to have a willingness and a desire to get better. They have to be willing to do the work and be accountable and own it. It sounds pretty simple, but um, I, I can walk people through and teach them how to achieve these things. But if they if if they think that it's just going to be like a magic magic bullet, mm, you know, you still got to get up. I can teach you how to do a really great sit-up, but you still got to do the sit-ups. That, that's probably a bad analogy for a sales piece. But, <laughs> but no, and, that and makes with that, a lot of sense. If um, when uh, when people come in, I, I've really really enjoyed this. So if uh, if when people come in, if you guys want, we can use the promo code Alan Kate, and I'll give them fifteen percent off when they come in if they want to nice. go through it. That's fine by me. Cool. So what are we going to get out of the book? What are the books? What's the impact and outcome? Speaking of impact and out, outcomes of the aspiring solopreneur. So the, the aspiring solopreneur was, uh, that was my first of, of the five books I've written. And uh, the, the aspiring solopreneur is specifically designed to help people very safely test, vet, and then slowly but safely transition and launch into a, uh, into a career that they own, where they're a solopreneur, they're a gig worker. Mm -hmm. So if they decide that they want to work 70 hours a week, but get paid for it, great. They want to work 25 hours a week and live in a tiny house and ride their bike a lot, right on. Good for them. How can they figure out what that is? 
but it's starting for them to figure out what, what are the structures for that. And the, the newest book uh, is a fable called Life on Your Terms, Discovering What's Next, but it helps people sort of understand what the, the rough process is. And I'll send you guys a couple copies. Fantastic. And then you've got uh, one in the works, right? What's next in life? Is that right? Well, actually, um, again, I need to update that, but uh, we have, uh, there's three series um, on the Life on Your Terms series. There's the, the one for the unemployed, the underemployed, and the miserably employed, but how to find a job they love. And then we have um, the Life on Your Terms, defining what's next for couples. Life on Your Terms, discovering what's next for individuals. And then we're in the process of building a couple others. My intention, my personal life-changing goal I teach, LCG, is to introduce a million people to a new way of thinking, impacting countless lives. And I, uh, I plan to, to charge the 1% a lot of money so that I can give it away to three particular groups. But I'm starting with our military brothers and sisters who are transitioning back into civilian life. Yeah. And then foster kids aging out of the foster system and um, people transitioning out of the penal system. Nice. Very nice. Give back. That's got to feel good. couple quick ones and then we'll wrap. But uh, you had 14 companies, like, like you mentioned. All but two of them have been successful. Did you learn more from the successes or the two failures? Oh, I think any true entrepreneur loves to talk about their failures. Oh, my goodness. The more of those... You know, it's funny that I've, I've noticed in the corporate America world, I do some advising in corporate and mm-hmm. corporate hides from their failures. Entrepreneurs, they're like, oh, my God, let me tell you about this. It was such a train wreck and we were such idiots with this. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. So the biggest of those two, um, at one point I had 5,000 websites and I had a uh, automatic, um, uh, something that automatically would create it and then it would go out to the um, different, uh, news sources, scrape it and update the, update the, uh, the website each day. So it was basically, uh, it was kind of like a land hold for URLs. And then we would integrate those with other like type of, of integrated websites. And it was all completely white hat. It was all above board. We cited everything, nothing was there, but it worked way too well. And Google didn't like it. So they banned us on the server level and the brain damage it was going to take to come back on that was going to be pretty challenging. So, you know, and, and when you're, when you're, you know, a little bitty startup, try calling Google and complaining. It's (laughs) doesn't happen. Should write a book on that. Any other experiences that are worth mentioning that you just, you know, based on the 14 companies that, that you initiated, that were good learning experiences. I'm sure they all were good learning experiences, but anything profound? I was, I was actually hiking with a friend of mine that I had a business with over the weekend. And I yeah. think, and, and it, it ended a little on the ro- ro- rocky side, unfortunately. Yeah. And the, my biggest takeaway though, and we were able to talk about it now, was that Al, Al if, you, if you've always seen color in Technicolor, and Kate, you've only seen black and white. You guys can both look at red and say, that's red. 
and it's your version of what it is. But when it comes to skill sets, we have our own skill sets and our own view and lens that we see things, but others may not have that same skill set or lens. And it's a matter of finding where do we see things in just beautiful technicolor and really being curious to understand how somebody else is really seeing things, particularly when you start creating relationships and partnerships. I don't know if I explained that very well, but, but having that perception and understanding, truly understanding what your God-given talents are and what somebody else's are, and then making sure you're clear on, on how you're translating those things. I have a coach that would be very happy to hear what you just said, talking about using your strengths and knowing what other, you know, what others have as their strengths and how to complement those. So look, it's been fabulous having you here. Is there anything that I failed to mention that you would like to get out before we break? Any no, question I, just, I should have guys, asked? I got to say this was a, I do a lot of these and this was yeah. a lot of fun. So thank Good. you very much. It's supposed to be. The only it thing is. would make it better if we really had beers in front of us, you know, <laughs> but who knows? I might have a beer in front of me. Nobody knows on the podcast. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. When I'm slurring my speech, they just think I can't pronunciate. You or they know. just think it's COVID, right? That's that's why in, in the exactly. long pauses. No, just COVID. It's a COVID cocktail. <laughs> uh, two questions before we, we, we end. Could you restate your website or where individuals that are listening can find you? Yeah, the best place to, to connect is to go to life on hyphen your terms. Life on hyphen your terms. And please take that balance wheel. You know, it's something that I developed with some, some former folks from, balance, from Gallup. And it's it, 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 six minutes gives you immediate results in it. And maybe it'll get you thinking about things a little different. And uh, you had an offer. Could you repeat that offer again to listen? Yeah. The offer is, is if they go there and they decide that they want to do any of the courses, um, they're welcome to just remember to, to use the uh, Alan Kate as the promo code. And that'll remind me and, and we'll make sure that they get a 15% discount. Terrific. And finally, what do you do for fun? That is why I live um, just outside of Leadville. I, I'm either mountain biking or hiking. I'm with it, from this office right here. I'm within uh, 15 minutes of three 14,000 foot trailheads. I've got trails nice. right outside. I ski winter, whatever it is. That means you get a lot of books read or listened to. One I way do. Or another. I do. Your, very all right. So I lied. What's your favorite book or the book that you would recommend most? It's really going to depend on the application and what case and what area. What comes to mind right now, just off the top of your head? The one I was thinking of was an entrepreneurial book. I'll change it to, you know what? There's a book for time management, saying time stuff called The One Thing that, that fits for everybody. The it is a thing. great okay. book. It's called The One Thing. I like that one a lot. I can always use better time management. I can tell you that. I mean, look, I think I'm an expert in time management, but that means you're continually reinventing yourself. This is what I've learned on time management over and over and trying to get better at it to make sure you're focused on the, the right things. Well, to steal so from Warren Buffett, you know, successful people are good at saying no. Really, really, really successful people are really, really, really good at saying no. Mm -hmm. 
So the more you can manage that, I think the better it is. So you must be a Warren Buffett disciple. You've used him a couple times. He and good oh. Charlie Munger. Omaha boy, you know. Is that where you're from? Omaha? Yeah. Yeah, we still oh, have halftime in Omaha, halftime in Colorado. That's why it was so weird, you guys. Very good. Well, I'm in Kansas City. I, well, I guess, yeah, that's true. I'm in Kansas City and Kate's in, in Colorado. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're, we got you both covered. Uh, yeah, Warren is, I, I actually am a disciple of Warren. I, I like, he, he's amazing. I, I mean, over 20% year on year. Anyway, thank you, Chris, for being here. It's been fabulous talking to you. A lot of good advice. I've got a lot of nuggets that uh, I'm going to, you know, consume and, and, and think about. I know, Kate, you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. And I will check out your books and uh, look, they're at the top of my list right now. Well, thank you very much. And uh, they're on Audible if you want them. So let me know. I'll connect you with it. So. That even makes it better because I'm the same as you. I got to get out and do something. And that's when I listen to my books. Fantastic. <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please rate us. As always, at your favorite flavor of podcast of choice. Look, we'd love to hear from you at almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Hit us. We do listen. Until next time, we'll see you on the podcast. Be well. See you.